This is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Shell Shock. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3 of Shellshock, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. My name is Josh Christopher, and I am the host. And what we've been talking about since the last episode are our various opinions of the different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universes and publications all the way from the beginning up through now. And we're going to continue on and get through that up through now part on this episode. And without any further interruptions, let's go ahead and get right into it, guys. So, uh, would would uh, I know? I know we already talked about the comics, but going like chronology and everything, uh, would like the Image comics kind of come in here? Is that would that be a good place to jump to? Or they, they were yeah, right we about, about the same point. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, I, th- I think both. It, it was kind of a black day for Turtles because it was like. Within a short span of time, I think literally a couple of months, like, bam, Ninja Turtles Secretation to cancel, bam, there goes volume three. And then we didn't know what the hell was going to come after that. And eventually, Peter Laird came out with, you know, here comes, I'm doing a volume four, and, which was kind of a nice surprise. But no, no, it, it, volume three was, was interesting, and it, it came from an interesting place. I mean, it's there was a period of time where we were very much wondering, like, what to expect from it, like, oh, no, the... The turtles are going from this this very independent company to Image, which is still a bit more independent than say DC or Marvel, but still like yikes. I mean, Image at the time you, you think like you know Spawn, Wildcats, and you know Cyberforce stuff like that. Huge like, names at the time. What are they going to do? Grim Dark yeah. and uh, Rob Liefeld, giant muscular people. Yeah, with little so, tiny feet. No one and with no eyes. Like, and then you know. NinjaTurtles.com would release some press releases about, oh, no, no, not to worry. We're going to continue where things left off and all that. And, uh, you know, we got the comic. It's it's not quite what people are expecting, but it, it was still very much in line with the Mirage universe. But, uh, you know, right out, right out the gate, we got Donatello getting blasted, Raphael getting blasted in the face, you know, all these all this stuff happening as time goes on. Leonardo loses a hand and, oh, no, the needle in the turtles. Yeah. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it's like we have all these great character pieces, like Michelangelo literally becoming a published writer, you know, having mm-hmm. these having this relationship. You know, it's all these things going on that I think the characters were done more service, perhaps in image than we see in in any one story arc of of the Mirage material on its own, perhaps. And right. which was why it's particularly sad, you know, come volume four and you know, we had to find this on the letter call like, oh, hey, by the way, Peter, what's what's the deal with with volume three? Like, oh, yeah, it's not canon, which it, it's every bit his right to to say that. But it, it's like when when such a, a small modicum of, you know, easily massaging things or whatnot, you could easily explain that it did happen. But whatever, that's his call. But it was a little bit sad on that end, too. Yeah, like I, I, I remember getting into that. Like I saw that, I think. By this point, I had already, you know, gotten some of the old Eastman and Laird issues, some of the really, like, original stuff, like at a comic book store or whatever, and I was kind of thumbing through those, and, you know, those were really cool and everything, and then I saw an ad for this new Turtle comic and everything, you know, oh, cool, you know, I can, you know, get up to, I can get up to speed with where everyone else is and everything, and start getting into that, and, you know, all the injuries and whatnot happened and everything, and I... Uh, and that was it was really big like it was really for me like 
devastating walking into something like that. Because at any other point, even in any of the other comics that I had been reading of the Turtles, you know, they all kind of were able to walk away from whatever happened, you know, maybe with some cuts and bruises and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not like, oh, um, so here's Donatello, boom. Here's Raphael, boom, you know. And really the only thing that really resembled anything that I'd kind of known about Turtles at that point was at some point early on, you know, Raph and Mike being some of Pimico's ninjas, and uh, he made some crack about them being like the Bud Light girls or something like that, <laughs> and uh, and like just like them like doing like you know just wisecracking while fighting was like the only thing at that point that was like okay yeah this is still Turtles. Yeah, I had yeah. I had just started college when the the Image books were coming out, and so I was a very poor college student and couldn't afford comics at the time, so I kind of lost track of it. But I remember thinking, wow, this is very, I didn't like the changes. I remember very specifically not liking the changes because these are characters that, I mean, I love these characters and I want to see these characters hurt in a way that is going to permanently scar them for the rest of time. Um, But I also just remember it being too much. Like they they had taken it and turned it up to like 15 and it almost seemed like self-parody at the time. Now looking back on them, and I've, I've started rereading them again, um, they're just so quintessentially 90s. Like, that to me is what the 90s look like in comics. They're just, everything is exploding, and everything is blood, and women are going to tip over because their spines can't handle the size of their huge tits. And, you know, just, so I, I look back on them far more fondly than I do other aspects of, of Turtle lore and, and canon um as opposed to when i i just didn't like it when it they came out i, I am really sad that there that, that at the time there was no uh that there was no closure to the series yeah and definitely when it got canceled i was like wow this is really going somewhere we're starting to get some stuff going on now and it's gone welcome to yeah, comics that, that, that yeah. ending always stuck with me that 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 very last bit there and that little last caption about never the end yeah, we, we finally accomplished something of a conclusion. Uh, just right, right, like, which is why I said, you know, at the time. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember I remember uh, it was actually, uh, Andrew, on one, on one of your websites. I don't know if you wrote it or what. It was so long ago, but What's I remember that? at some point reading uh, a conclusion that was made, mm. uh, like oh. a fan fiction. Like, I was never really a big fan fiction person. No, that wasn't and, me. Okay, but it, I think it was on, like, I, I think I got to it through, like, your website or mm. whatever. And, uh, and and it ended up, uh, you know, having like the whole melancholy feel that, you know, is in the turtle comics and everything. But, you know, eventually everyone kind of got put back to as normal as they could, minus Raph's one eye. And I think Michelangelo died or something. And I don't know, but it was, but it it was a conclusion at the time. And, you know, I was happy with it, I guess. For me and the mutilations and stuff, just to interject a little geeky point here, is like, yeah, you know, all these horrible things are happening in the Turtles, but at the end of the day, in the back of my head, I'm still going, well, the good news is this is still part of the Mirage universe, and guess what we know about the Mirage universe? We see the future Turtles, and, you know, Raph, he still kind of loses an eye later on, but Leo has got both hands, Donatello's not a cyborg later on, so I'm I'm not tripping. I think we'll be all right in the future. I don't think I'd come across that stuff yet when I was reading the Image comics, so it was still like, whoa, like, but, yeah. you know, I continued reading it because it was still, it, it kept sucking me in anyway. Yeah. I, I think I've still got a little ways to go before I get there because I'm still in volume one, so a little no, ways to go through. Take your time. 
Yeah, shit it's, gets it's real. Stuff, That's what you need to know about Volume 3. <laughs> shit gets real. It sounds like it. But I think the sad part to me is that a lot of the actual the character-defining moments and character arcs and a lot of the character evolution that, that takes place in there is, is, is so overshadowed by, oh, the mutilations and this and yeah. that and the tits and ass and all that stuff. And that's, I mean, yeah, it's there. Granted, it's there. Absolutely. I don't, I don't refute that, but, but there's, there's so much else there that that's yeah, tends no, to be no, overlooked. No you gotta, really got, got to look past like, skin deep, ironically, because yeah. that's literally all they're focusing on is the, the external appearance, you know, like but there's Mikey's more relationship with shadow. I mean, there's all these other factors. Yeah. Man. Yeah, no, there Mike, is, that, that, there was a, I don't want to, because, you know, uh, one of us is only still in volume one, but there was a really good Michelangelo-centric, uh, I think it was issue 13, uh, where he was, like, going up against, like, the mob and whatnot. It was a very Mikey and Shadow-related issue, and that is probably my favorite, one of my favorite issues of Turtles yeah. of all time. And, uh, it, and that was probably one of my favorite reads. With the cover where he's hiding by the gargoyle, is it? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, very iconic so, cover as well. Yeah, it was that was that was one of my favorite ones ever, and uh, you know, it was it was just really good, uh, really good everything about it. It's I don't know, like, it, yeah, <laughs> I just I, I don't want to spoil it, so I don't want to yeah. go too into detail. Anyway, uh, um, so yeah, after that. Uh, well, what else is there to say about the Image Comics? Uh, any anyone got anything else, or that if you haven't read them, you should read them. And, yes. uh, I, I still need to read them too. I don't even. I only have one issue, but uh, someday I'll get around to reading them all. It's just you know, right now I got to focus on some other stuff first. Yeah. But someday well, with, I'll get around to it. With all the reprinting stuff that that IDW is doing, I mean, it might not be a bad idea. I have no idea who owns the rights for that. Who does does Nickel? Is that a Nickelodeon thing, or yes, does Image? Yes, they, they own they they own all rights to all Volume Three stuff, with the exception of uh, the one issue with uh, the Night Watchman and uh, Kid Galahad and that stuff. They kind of okay. they have to ask permission for those characters to be able to be reprinted. But I, I think that's already been resolved. I think it's all kosher. I think Eric Larson said. You know, whatever it's cool. Um, so that's already done deal. In fact, they've already they've already approached Frank to do a cover for the the collection when oh, when that, nice. when that, when that know, comes. You know, when it comes to Volume Three, how do you guys want that to actually reprinted? I mean, do you want just paperback, hardcover, black and white color? I mean, um, probably something along the lines of uh, the, the black and white volumes that are being reprinted now. I mean, if they want to go back and do it in color at some point, that's cool. But I want to see it as it was. Uh, I, I would say that like. I mean, to me, and, and Frank was sorry, he probably choked me the fuck out, but no, well, a lot of what he was drawing to me at times seemed very color open, like he could, it could, it could benefit from color. And in fact, interesting point, he has actually gone himself and colored a great deal of these issues already, uh, just oh, in, neat. in kind of preparation for if and when that would make a uh, reprint collection kind of thing more more uh, well, he, appealing he to publishers. So IDW can pick that up, you so think? It's very it's very possible they could just take what he's done and, and run with it and have him like do the rest or He did say just... that the the first issues that he drew he thought they were supposed to be in color. Mm-hmm. He did say that in his interview and then and then yeah. he was like that's why they're rendered wrong. That's why they look really really weird. Yeah. In the first two issues. Yeah, I thought I thought that loss of uh, that that grayscale kind of deal that yeah. was in like the original Mirage comics that didn't show up in the th- in the third yeah. volume like that was probably the only thing that about the art that I was just kind of like yeah. yeah I was just kind of like uh, you Absolutely. know it's, it's 
if you read those letters columns, you'll see my letters in there almost every other issue whining about the duotones. Like, why bought duotones? And Eric is like, I like clean art. And no, nobody was that. doing duotones anymore, though. Like, duotones. Uh, and it probably causes lung cancer or something. <laughs> probably does. Those are pretty <laughs> toxic chemicals in your. Dividing so cool. and, Eastman, and Eastman still wants to use what little he has left. Give they, them to they, me, I'll take them. They, they smell like mouse pit or a rabbit piss. We did a mm-hmm. whole thing. We did a whole thing with Peter on it. And yeah, yeah, they're pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in any case, the ammonia is yeah. good for your lungs. So, so have I missed anything up to this point? Uh, is there I don't is there think some? So. Yeah. All right, I, I'm so, literally uh, trying to think. We're onto the four kids cartoon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, after that lull, like, are, are we going to? Yeah, that, and so we're going into the four kids cartoon. That's. Uh, yeah. Oh, there, you know, there, there was a series I always wanted to watch more of that I missed out on because it's like I'm not a very good morning person, and this is before I had DVR, so it's like I would struggle to try to get up. But I only saw a select few episodes because I just kept trying to get up but not able to make it in time or missing an episode because something came up, and it's like, and they don't even put it on DVD, so I'm like properly, so I'm like, damn it. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was very upset with that because I definitely caught up with it um, right when they started doing the uh, the volume the volume based seasons after they had kind of done that weird kind of box set run where it, kind of the side made the side you know ends of it made it look like a face or something I don't know anyway the uh, totally missed that but then I got into that the the volume one volume two and then they stopped so I've got only those and i've always trying to figure out how the heck to collect the the seasons between that and like the ninja tribunal and season four stuff and it just drives yeah, me nuts because i definitely can't. not not collection friendly like I, i've tried no. myself and it's it's hard yeah, i've basically well, they, been told by the technodrome like good luck i mean you have yeah to, like follow our lists and you you buy yeah. this you buy that and you have to watch this and Take that disc out, put this disc back in, and uh, and by and by that point, all the discs uncool. were gone from the shelves, right? And you're, yeah. if you're lucky, you might be able to find some used copy of the it, Christmas DVD or something. It, it, it's <laughs> sad because they finally started, from what I understand, doing the releases right, and they just killed it. Yeah, yeah. they killed it. I, I was collecting those releases. Like I, I had gotten like the first, uh, maybe set. maybe the first season box set thing, and then after that, I had kind of stopped really following it for a while, and then. Uh, when they decided they're going to start doing the whole season set format that had become normal for a lot of shows by that point, I was like, you know what, this is a perfect point for me to jump back on. Yeah. And, and, and I, I initially, you know, like I watched it on TV through like the first season or so, you know, and then after that I was just kind of like, Hey, wow, I, I like to sleep in on Saturday mornings. So, you know, that didn't happen. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I actually had to finish watching the series, up to like I didn't really watch a whole lot of fast forward or after that, but up to before that point, I pretty much had to you know do the whole illegal internet piracy thing just to get caught up with everyone. Well, the thing is, right. is that I when I when I got into it, I thought it was a really really great way for anybody who hadn't really experienced Mirage Turtles to kind of go, hey, if I don't want to read a whole bunch of comic books or try to find them or before the reprints were happening, you know, these were pretty much copy and paste. I mean, yeah. it was great. I 100% disagree. Really? Yes. I mean, I hear this so much, like, in the forums in particular, like, like oh, yeah, 
how can, how do you not like the the four kids cartoon? It's it's just adaptations of the Mirage material, and Peter Lindbergh was involved, and it's like, oh really? And, and before I even seen it, and I, it took me a few years to even start watching the damn thing, but I, but I did. I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to see this. I was looking forward to it, and I, I, oh, I bought a your whole. Expectations were screwed. I got a whole gang gang <laughs> of these DVDs, and I watched them. I, I I was struggling. I was struggling so bad. I could like. Like if I watch the Fred Wolf cartoon and I don't like the Fred Wolf cartoon, I, I can I, I can barely stomach it. But I can I can get through a number of episodes on nostalgia alone. But but this series, it's like, I, you're right. It, a big part of it was probably expectations. But it's like, but some people are are so steadfast about like, oh yeah, it's 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 Mirage. It's it's Mirage brought to life. And it's like, I, I'm looking mm. at these these stories and like, with the exception of okay, I'll grant the Kirby episode is like word for word, and perhaps even a even did better than the actual Donatello special. But, but One of the few that, I actually saw. Yeah. But apart from that, like moving forward into like return to New York, I was, I was appalled. I mean, that, that is, that is return to New York in name only. I mean, this it's, it's like, it's like if you take every Mirage story and just take just the, the, the basic, the, the, basic elements and then throw in a whole bunch of toy crap and a whole bunch of silly nonsense and camp and then you get the then you get the the four kids series. That's pretty much what I arrived at, and it was sickening. I, I, I couldn't even finish Return to New York. I was so aghast at this wow this horror. This, this is a visceral, visceral reaction. <laughs> I remember I remember in the to Return the to least. New York episodes. Uh, I remember uh, at the uh, at the you know final point of it. You know they do the We're whole fighting, like uh, wind monsters and stuff. They, they do the well. I mean like the the Leo versus Shredder part. You know where you know they jump and Leo decapitates uh, the Shredder and everything. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I wonder how they're going to get away with that because that's really that's that's really hardcore for a Saturday morning cartoon. I remember it happening just to catch that yeah. episode one morning. And then, you know, something happens, and at the very end, you know, Shredder gets up, you know, super mega armor Shredder gets up, and, sorry, I like minimalist Shredder better, and uh, picks up his own head and carries it like it's a basketball or something, and just kind of like, okay, you know. He's all right. He's all right, folks. Yeah. It's a a kid show. You can't end on a decapitation where the person is dead. Well, to be be absolutely fair, I think that this, this is an interesting reaction from adults, for one thing, especially with oh, yeah. our, our expectations, well, I mean, and, and I mean, but I mean, if, even if you're going to look back at the the original cartoon and compare the two, it's the same thing where you've got people who are making TV for a living have to, you know, atone for exactly those parameters and how do you make a a, a story work in television or in film? Oh yeah. And so they they had to come up with those through lines. It's the same reason course, why it's, it's the same reason why you've got the Fagin character that that is Shredder in the in the in the, the feature film, you know, doing manipulating kids in the way they want to be manipulated because you needed something to tie the story together. You couldn't have had, you know, some vague thing about Shredder coming from, you know, Japan and he's got this foot ninja thing. You know, it works really well in the comics, but an evil yeah. man peddling insurance who's a ninja yeah. by night. Exactly right. So, so to make him an Utrom, you know, <laughs> might have been kind of hokey. But I mean, even you know, obviously Peter had been doing it long enough to go. You know what? Actually, if that works to thread this as an ongoing show together, you know, it worked. I think it's it's a bit it's a bit odd, but it worked. It, I'm wondering. Was... I'm wondering what's the story behind that. Maybe you have some insight into that, uh, Isaac. I mean, I, I almost feel like. I mean, I, I've read a lot of Peter's blogs. I've seen like mm. what he was going through and what all the notes and whatnot. And, and granted, 
I, I think he, he was vetoing a, a great deal of things, but like I almost wonder if like the whole uh, Shrell, uh, Shredder, Saki merger deal is is almost like pressure from the studio to to kind of like, well, we still want some aspect of Krang in there, and and Peter kind of going like, ah, oh, no, we can maybe merge the two, or I don't know. No, because I mean, obviously at that point they didn't even, I don't even think they could have legally put quote unquote Krang in there. Because, you know, those were things created by Fred Wolf, right. and Fred Wolf still has the rights to that. This would be but, kind, of a, a, kind of a compromise. like well, Not at all, because... it could have... No, because I think that... Not Krang, but a Krang-like entity. No, because I think, I think what they were doing was, if you lo- really look at the people who were responsible, which is really pretty much like Peter and Lloyd, and that was it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Lloyd was the backbone of the show, and he's a really talented dude, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He was terrified to bring a lot of those ideas to Peter, because it's like, yeah, this is, this is Peter's baby. You know, this is his thing, and if he's got final say, he's going to say no to everything. And, and I think it was really interesting to Lloyd to say, holy crap, you know, Peter is all for this radical idea. And I, and I think the Shredder being an Utron has nothing to do with a Krang. It has everything to do with the fact that, that okay. they're going to put Utrons in the show and Utrons are going to be a big thing like they're a big thing in the comics. Well, let's, well, that's all let, let, let's, throw, like, yeah, exactly, let's throw caution to the wind and say, what if, what if, you know, Shredder was actually an Utron? Well, how crazy is that? And then Peter's like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Let's, Let's right. try it. And then, you know, the, oh, it went down sense. the paths that it went, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's very easy for us to go, whoa, well, does this have something to do with this This whole, this is how the cartoon used to be? Well, it's like even Krang in the old cartoon was kind of like a joke homage to what the Utrams were in visual, and that was yeah. it. <laughs> and, and speaking of the old cartoon, I remember uh, when uh, the uh, when the Four Kids series was airing, you know, someone would see me wearing like a Ninja Turtle shirt or whatever, and they're all like, "Oh, hey, Josh, uh, you know, have you heard about that new crappy version of the Turtles that's come out? They don't even eat pizza or nothing, man. Where's Krang, <laughs> Bebop, and Rocksteady? It's stupid. Yeah. Where's the problem in any of this you're saying? See, I think people, I just had an aneurysm from that statement. See, people, people say that stuff to me just to get me riled up. Oh, well, like these, these guys, like, they, they had to watch the show. Sent, like, they didn't even pick up a DVD or anything like that. They didn't, you know, like, pretty much, like, these these were the same people that are all like, yeah, you remember the old Ninja Turtles movies? There was that one with, like, the Asian kid with the baseball bat, and there was Vanilla Ice, and they fought the Shredder together? And I'm just kind of like, yeah, you haven't watched this since oh, you were... Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Stop <laughs> the, the Asian kid and Vanilla Ice fight the Shredder? God. I'm like I'm like no 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 Kino and Casey Jones were two different people but never mind let's just get another beer. Giant box with you too. <laughs> I, I would have well, I would have actually watched that movie though if they actually got Vanilla Ice to fight the Shredder. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys something. Um, actually, um, yeah, I really liked the the Four Kids cartoon around the time it around the time it aired, and I remember when I was around that time I was in college, and I just remember there were kids there too that kind of kind of went through the same thing. It's like I don't. Really, it's like you know I'd have friends there going, yeah, this show doesn't look good. I mean. Some people didn't like the fact that Splinter was gray. And uh, it was funny because there was this one guy that I was sort of friends with. We were, we were both members of the radio station. And he used to pick on me for liking Ninja Turtles. And, you know, he was like in his 30s. I was in my 20s. And, like, he was kind of a dickhead because, like, he, you know, he didn't care, care what anyone thought. So, like, he used to tell me he liked the tick. And, like, he used to, you know, he used to talk sh- And, like, you know, he'd be constantly talking talking shit about Ninja Turtles just to get get me riled. And he'd be like, 
like, you know, you say, oh, the tick could take out the turtles any day. Well, I mean, given the guy's powers, he probably would. The tick is awesome, so. Yeah. He, is, he is oblivious to pain, just about. Yeah, that's true. Well, he's he's a crazy man running around naked with a viewmaster. He, 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 so, he, he runs around screaming <laughs> spoon. What do you expect? Yeah. Spoon! <laughs> you, you do know that, and, like, I kept telling them, I kept telling the guy, you do know that the guy that voiced the tick in in the cartoon was also the voice of Michelangelo. Right, this is true. Uh, he didn't give two shits. Well, of course not. He was just he, trying to piss you off. He's just trying to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, like that—that was—that was my experience with the with the four kids show. Was mostly people being all like, "This isn't the same thing that I kind of maybe watched when I was a little kid." Well, my childhood right. is ruined, ruined, and the ruined forever. Little is... fists at the sky. But the same thing I would say about this is the same thing I would say about the Nick cartoon, the same thing I say about the Fred Wolf cartoon. At least looking back now, it's like I'm I'm hip to the fact that these these aren't for me. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I I know these aren't for me. I I can't get a lot of entertainment out of them. Um, but not, I appreciate for them for what they are. They are they are good entertainment for kids. I respect that. I I see. I mean, people say like the 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 last series. The, Fred, the the four kids series didn't catch on as much as Fred Wolf. That's probably true, but I know a ton of kids, a ton of ton of you know, daughters and sons out there that are still practice ninja stuff all just because of the the four kids series. So I mean, and, that, and that's really awesome. Certainly that's caught awesome. on to a large degree. But I think I think the market has has completely changed. I mean, yeah. it's only been within the last couple of years that we even have Saturday morning cartoons again. Like yeah. they were, they were all off the air for so long with the advent of the Cartoon Network, and of course now the Cartoon Network uh, has live action shows, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, um, music, music television, but uh, yeah. the de- the death of uh, the Fox block really uh, did it for me. It's like, what's happened to the kids shows? Yeah, and there's, yeah, I mean, it's slowly getting itself back back up again. I mean, you know, Nickelodeon's doing stuff now, and you've got that DC Nation stuff now. But I don't know. I mean, I I think that that if the you know. 2003 show didn't do as well. It it had everything to do with the fact that Saturday morning TV had just completely changed. That's a very good point, and like I love, I love the fact that that Andrew like you you threw that out there, and that I always uh, come at any new incarnation at hoping and praying that this is going to make a make an impact on a cultural level like it did when, when we were kids. But yeah, I don't know if it is really as much the content or the style of the show as it's like, you're just saying is that it really is the era that we lived in. And I hope that the era, like you're saying is changing enough that this new show can, can actually find a foothold in a new, a new world of Saturday morning. Considering the ratings are in the millions, I think it's got a foothold. I'm a bit torn. I'm a bit torn on it myself. It's like, I don't wish any ill on on these new incarnations of the turtles, but at the same time, it's like I, I am not, I am not oblivious to the fact that every time there is one of these new incarnations that catches on, um, it, it pushes the possibility, the chance of of us ever seeing like something that would maybe take like say the first movie and and bring that bring that out, but take it to the next level ever again. It makes that less and less of a possibility because now it's 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 taking that original Fred Wolf. Uh, turn of events from the source material and just further engraving that into into the public psyche for one more generation, another generation, another generation. It's like just more nails in the coffin, or it, it just it, it never really ends. And now with a, with there, a sale, there is, it's probably never. There, there is that. Pretty much there, there is that, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, there, yeah. there is that, but uh, 
at the same time, remembering, you know, what the super popular incarnation of the Turtles was in 1989, 1990, and then seeing the original movie come out, there is still a chance that, you know, someone might come along and actually make it work. But it's, it's less and less of a chance, like you're saying. Yeah, but now, it's, considering... now it's a question of if someone was willing to, would Nickelodeon let them? Now it's now right. that whole Mm, yeah, I, don't know. On top of I, I mean, if, if I was going to pitch the idea, I'd point out that even with all all of the getting that much closer to the original source material and away from the uh, more what you'd call popular stuff, the Turtles movie still succeeded pretty good. Oh, yeah. Mm, I, I believe it actually was the top grossing movie of 1990, if I remember the stats. I, mean, I, I think was... you're going to – I think you'll be surprised. I think we give it we give it a couple years, and I, I don't – Nickelodeon is the television station that gave us Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. You know, they they understand that a large percentage of their audience is 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 grown-ups. I mean, you've got our entire generation that grew up on, do you remember, do you remember on Saturday morning cartoons. So I mean, you know, I mean, look at look at something like Avatar. Yeah, they're going to release two or three episodes on a DVD because mom and dad are more willing to spend five bucks on a DVD than forty dollars on an entire season set. But that didn't stop them from selling the giant all-encompassing set because they know if you make a good product, it transcends age. And the TV series, not the movie. The TV series was good. Yeah, yeah, no, we don't do it. I just remember something. Go ahead. I just remember something really funny from the uh, Four Kids cartoon. Mm. There was there were moments where Michelangelo actually used the word "sucked." Like I remember there was a, in like in the episode Tales of Leo, they were on the way in Northampton for the first time. And he's like, "Man, it sucks being cold blooded." And I'm mm. like, "Whoa, did Michelangelo really just say that?" The the fact that that, that that's even shocking is sad to me as a human being. It's kind of shocking because I remember it's reading a shocking. letter from Peter I mean, in the letter call show, about yeah, and like tearing someone apart for I don't know asking. I wasn't that shocked. About I was just, I was, about I was having, a little, like I was just like a little flabbergasted. I was like I, as, as a kid, I never got punished for saying "suck" in front of my parents. I didn't care. That's because that's not really a curse word. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not right. a really bad word, but still. So so we're. It looks like we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We're kind of getting to the yeah, Nickelodeon thing there for a minute. So I think we've got most of what we need to say about four kids out of the way. Yeah. Maybe we can jump into Volume 4. Oh, can, we, can we jump into Volume 4 here? Is, is, or was there something in between that? I just want to make sure. Okay. I know we kind of covered that in the Mirage talk. But, uh, I mean, no, well, well, I mean, well, I don't know. We covered Image by itself. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you – well, we, we did cover, the, cover that for the most part. But I don't know. I think – there's I, I, there's a distinct tonal difference between you know the old Mirage stuff and like what became basically you know oh, Peter's yeah. baby. Yeah, and absolutely. So I thought I thought that maybe uh, even though we touched on it a little bit, maybe just a little bit of dedicated time to you know Peter's baby, whether it's you know complete or not, and how you know because there's a generally different reaction from that. Like you you say. Uh, you say, oh, yeah, the Mirage comics, you know, volume one, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, awesome. But uh, – and then you say, oh, volume four, and you get, you know, mixed opinions out of that. I thought it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very much what Ninja Turtles would be like if, if only Peter Laird was at the helm on a comic book form format where, you know, it's it's coming out at his leisure. I mean, it's it's very sci-fi. It's very different from anything before. I mean, I don't think it's too different from, like, you know, volume two, which was – Pretty much, you know, the same thing. If, if anything, like like volume four, number one is basically volume two, number fourteen in many ways. Right. Um, 
but it, it, yeah, it, and it's just that. I mean, a lot of people didn't like it because he doesn't quite write in. He doesn't write in story arcs. It's all like pretty free form. Um, I I dig it. I, I enjoy the hell out of it. Um, didn't come out as fast as I would like. I mean, I can deal with all those those dangling storylines if just there was some eventual coming to them together. And so you know, you keep you, you read this stuff and you keep waiting for this point where it's like, okay, I know what next issue next couple issues there's going to be a point where all these threads come together and it's going to be awesome and we're going to go like that's what he was doing that's what he was doing it all comes together now but it, it never comes and then we get to the point after the fourth movie where it's like we're waiting for a year between issues and now i don't know if i want to finish it i want to finish it but i don't know when and he wants uh, to go at his own leisure i mean yeah. he's he's made no bones about the fact that he's just writing it for himself for his own satisfaction and that's cool um but you know, as as an audience, as readers, it's you know, what are we supposed to, what are we supposed to get from that? I mean, yeah, I, it's eventually like end. I followed it, but I didn't really like. I wasn't like super huge into it. Like I kind of like dist because of like the time it took for stuff to come out. You yeah. know, uh, I, I kind of distanced myself from it in the same way of like say like someone writing a web comic just because they feel like doing art and writing and whatnot and they they build up this audience and then you know after and you know and there's lots of delays that happen with web comics and stuff like that you know i kind of did the same thing that i did with a web comic where i'm just kind of like okay i'll check on i'll check up on you every once in a while i've seen something new happen but you know i'm not going to hold my breath it, it felt to me volume four felt to me a lot like what it felt like when i watched the tv show lost I, I had no idea what was going on. You had no idea if the, the, the author had any idea what was going on. And you're just kind of holding on and watching where it goes because you need to know how it ends. And I, that's, that was the whole reason I read volume four is like I needed to know how it ended. I needed to yeah. see if he had a conclusion and I really wanted to know. And there were, there were things that he did that, that I very much did not like and did not appreciate. Um, like what happened with April. Um, but you know, yeah, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people like that. I kind of I, forgot about that actually. I I, I, li- I liked it as a concept and as an idea, but it just it had no follow through. There was no plan beyond just the twist. Like, here's yeah, what right. she is, and then dot dot dot. Didn't have a plan. There was no plan for that. There was there was no fallout from it. No. Step one, do this. Step two, step three, profit. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, but okay, yeah. So it is, that. We, we, we it is interesting though. I mean, one one last thing I just want to say about about oh, yeah, Volume totally. Four is that I did find it very interesting that when you read the original books, sometimes it's really well. It, it was always for me until Volume Four to tell where Eastman ended and Laird began story. Now you, now you know. And <laughs> no, it's it's blatant. Like you can really see that that the interplay between the two of them that wasn't at least it wasn't apparent to me until Volume Four. Exactly like. You know, the quieter moments, you know, Peter likes the quieter stuff and Kevin does not. And, you know, kind of kind of goes from there. So I think if anything, the, the thing I like best about volume four is that it really kind of gave me an appreciation of where these two guys, these two different guys were coming from as different directions as storytellers. Well, let's let you see the pieces that brought together to make the magic. Yeah, there you go. That's nice. We should put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> it's awesome that you say that, too, because that's exactly what Peter said, too is that it was, he looked back at it and goes, you know what, it is an indication that, you know, the they were very different people, but it's one of those, like, very fortuitous moments where the, 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 uh, the end result is greater than the sum of its parts, you know. It's the, yeah. 
the two of them together created something that that was what it was and it, and it's it was quite humbling to kind of hear him say it like that kind of to yeah. hear him reflect upon you know the 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 fan reactions you know it's like a lot of people write in and said well kind of like the old mirage turtles better and he he actually went oh maybe this is maybe this is why you know yeah. Come on, Peter and Kevin, Volume Five of Mirage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So anyway, after uh, uh, should so we mention Tales Volume Two? We yeah, did already. Yeah. We kind of. Yeah, I wanted, to, the, I wanted to bring up something too, real quick. Um, yeah. It's funny because you know how I mentioned before I was I'm a big fan of Justice League. Well, it's funny because in in early on in in Volume Four, they, he Peter brought in the Justice Force, and I, you know that really got me back. I think that's really what got me back into superheroes. Like, and this was around the time superhero movies were just getting started. And for, oh, you know what? I, I forgot to mention something when we were talking about four kids. I, one of my favorite lines from four kids was um, they were crawling up a wall. Michelangelo said, "Let's leave the wall crawling to the dude in the blue and red tights." You know. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was. That's why I was. And it was funny too because I remember once me- messaging. I, I remember once asking Peter Laird. Are there any superheroes you like that you draw from? And he's like, no, not really. I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting that he's not really a fan of superheroes, and yet he he wrote he wrote. Uh, Daredevil. Well, he's a big fan of is it it, Etrigan? I can never pronounce that character. He's a Jack Kirby fan. It's Etrigan. Yeah, yeah, Etrigan. Etrigan. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Gone, gone. The form of man. Rise the demon, Etrigan. Yeah. So, so then what came next was what the 2007 movie, the CG movie, yeah. Yeah. right? Which was Which, pretty. Yeah, I was I was excited the, nice, of the, the, nice of the fact that it was happening. Um, it was similar to the. I thought it was similar to like Next Mutation. It had like it had a good idea. They had a good idea, but it was just poorly executed. Like it was just like they had they had, they had the they had good CG and everything, but the plot itself was so convoluted. Like. They didn't know where they were going with it. Like they just, they couldn't. Like, like you, you got going everywhere. Like first you got Leonardo in the jungle doing God knows what, and then you got this dude from three thousand years in the past, this immortal dude, dude who's who's trying to lift a curse and all this shit with monsters. I'm thinking, I could have come up with something so. Like I would have liked to have seen something. Like you know the fact that he was in the the Leo was in the jungle. I think they should have done something with that. Like say something happened to Leo. And the guys had to go save him. That would have been that would have been a lot cooler. Like I would have loved to have seen, I would have loved to have seen Jaguar and Dreadmon in in that movie. Well, I, I did like I, I did like the fact that it started off with kind of a where are they now sort of aspect. You know, like the the turtles have kind of you know grown up and started kind of doing their own things and like that and the thread with the uh, villain, I guess you could call him kind of, uh, you know, how that all comes together into one story It even brings back previous villains. Like it wasn't, you know, the greatest story ever told, but I think some of the biggest limitations about it had to do with, you know, when we were following the, uh, when we were following the development of it, you know, on the drone or whatever, uh, and like blogs and stuff like that, how the biggest limitations came from, you know, like, there was, uh, like, for example, a in, in one of the trailers, like, you see, like, you know, like, Shuriken beginning, being thrown and stuff like that, and that ends up being cut from the actual movie because they don't want to make it too violent or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, those kind of cuts and limitations that they were given 
kind of kept it from being what it was supposed to be, what we, you know, what it was being built up, what we wanted it to be. Same way that, you know, uh, Kevin Eastman back with Next Mutation was like, oh, yeah, these are grittier adult turtles. And then it turns out to be something else like the the fourth movie wasn't nearly as bad as that. I mean, I can still pop in the fourth movie and enjoy it, but it's not. But it's like a like a once in a great while kind of pleasure, you know. And it's actually interesting, like what you're just saying, because I I wasn't uh, uh, to be honest, the this the fourth movie kind of kickstarted me back into the fandom on a more public forum. I really let Turtles almost go, for, or just as a childhood memory until then. And then the so I wasn't I wasn't engaging in in any of the the kind of the pre buzz of it. But it's a, it's interesting to hear that from your perspective because talking to the people behind it it's exactly what they intended on making which is the interesting thing so you know i i believe kevin's sincerity sincerity when he talks about you know when he was talking about next mutation at the time or when galen was talking about the for the 2007 movie at the time when it was being made or, or was about to come out because these people were like yeah this oh, is what we want to make this is what there we're, was this no is- dubious yeah, so, and, and, and the and the, the short concessions the short were answer, made to be sure. Exactly, and the short answer to <laughs> in, to all of those cases is too many cooks in the kitchen, and that's what they've all said is it was just too many cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes people in power, you know, they they kind of throw their weight around, and suddenly your ideas yep. get muddled. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's just too many cooks right, in the I, kitchen, I, I and never, it's just. I never held it against Kevin as to what happened with the exploitation or you know anybody no. for anything like that, but yeah, it was definitely a case of that. Yeah, because they, and it's funny because that's actually what the, those people say about the seventh or the seventh, the 2007 fourth movie is that they are like, yeah, we even even the stuff that was even animated and completed because as we all know, like animated movies, they make most of the cuts before they even go to a computer. Yeah. Um, there was stuff that was created that they went, can't use that, can't use that, can't use that, and it's gone. And it's like, really, what? You know, there's a whole other score written for the movie that was totally different. That was all scrapped. It was all made and scrapped. So it was it was really too bad. You know, there again, there's there's a whole other version of that movie that unfortunately won't probably ever see the light of day. I think the, the best thing that came out of that 2007 movie was the Game Boy Advance game, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> see, I just remember being unbelievably excited when the trailer came out because that was the first trailer, that very first teaser trailer was that was it that was how they moved that was how those characters moved in my mind oh. and how they always moved and you were never going to get that with dudes in suits and it was just so great to watch them run and and it just that was it i, I was going to see that movie they they had me it was it was all over and then i watched the movie and i was like well there's a plot hole you can drive a mac truck through but well all right you know i've i've lived through worse storylines and the voice acting on the turtles was really fantastic and i really liked the character design and i'm glad they went with like incredible style people instead of making them like hyper realistic or whatnot but you know i mean aside ADHD from issues like you know <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. go, ahead. I was, go ahead yeah well yeah i mean i have a, a heavy fandom unpopular opinion bias and that i really hate dude mikey and i've always really hated dude mikey and so he was dude mikey in that that movie but even then dude, I could, dude um <laughs> dude what time is it in your time zone it's 11 38 that's my time here. Um, I've, been trying to, I've been I've been time copping this as best as I could, you know, without just cutting somebody off in mid sentence. But yeah, we've. I mean, I think I think we got a little uh, we got a little a far little? out there, like on some of the on some of the movie talk. But anyway, um, good luck, editors. Good luck. Good luck. 
So yeah. <laughs> Good luck, uh, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, have and, fun with that, Andrew. Andrew, Yay, I, I think Andrew. I think I heard you try and chime in a couple of times. Were you gonna say something? He was probably negative. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> you gotta have some negativity. It can't all be glowing praise. Usually, you you usually you know there's something interesting brought to light in the in in that concept though. Like, I think you know. I think Andrew fell asleep. Where the heck did he go? I heard the bottle. I think he's. Gonna... Oh, I was. I actually I I was brought on to consult on the movie with Michelle Ivy uh, for Warner Brothers legal department. We reviewed yeah, the script right. early on and uh, was shown like an, the, the teaser trailer before anyone ever saw the teaser trailer. I, I didn't like. Yeah, you sent me that. These guys are like, like the fucking teaser? frogs. No, they, they, they're like fucking frogs. Oh, Michelle said dude. the same thing, though. Um, but no, I mean, the script was okay. I mean, even even at that stage, I think it was like August, dated August 2005 or something. I can't remember. But no, and people say like, oh, even like the powers would be like, they, they cut so much out of the movie. It's a completely different movie. And it's like, well, you know, I'm reading this script. It wasn't the shooting script. It's it's like one of the, 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 the only, the first and only one that, uh, you know, Peter them approved and, and then set into motion. And it's, with a couple of exceptions, a couple of notable exceptions, uh, it's it's the same movie. It's the same what the the movie that Kevin Monroe wrote is the movie that's on the screen with a couple of small cuts of of a little bit of fat here and there, and and they of course downplayed the Casey and and April cohabitation thing for whatever reason. But apart from that, it's the same goddamn movie, and it stinks. It's it's not good. There's no resolution. It 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 plays like a PS a bad PS1 game. FMV. Wait, you know what? <laughs> it's not was... entertaining on any level. It's not what it need to be on any front. On any front. Well, you know what? I nostalgia critic, nostalgia critic put it best. It's a freaking video game commercial. It's an it's an hour and a half long video game commercial. Yeah, Might be a first Pretty much. Well, I, I did buy a video game because of it. Yeah, I bought an entire game system because of it. <laughs> So, our, our commercial worked. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at least you know, at least you know, some of the proposed sequels to that never did happen. Oh yeah. Oh, was, God. oh that, that's I was, definitely. I was very against the whole the, everyone but the, Michelangelo yeah. demutating thing and all that. Oh, that no, no, uh, that's the least of it. I mean, you imagine you go back further to like the incarnations that Kevin talks about now, like uh, the other dimension and the evil sorceress comes and. There's Kirby's dimension. I mean, some real. I mean, maybe they, maybe it would have worked, but the potential for for it not working is astronomical, uh, as opposed to what we got on the 2007 movie. And I will say, I mean, don't get me wrong. I will say that, I mean, keep in mind there is still my miles of shit metaphor from way back. But I mean, I, I will honestly say that Turtles 4 is probably the best sequel movie we've we've gotten yet. I I, I will give it that. That's not saying much, of course. But I will give that. Uh, yeah. So, did, any, um, did anybody ever read that that would have been four mo- fourth movie? The, the, yeah, that script uh, ever a little bit of that script. I don't know. Was there ever a script that was there? I, for some reason? Why do yeah. I remember? Oh, I mean, there I remember was tons of concept. Of it. Yeah. There's a lot of concept art there, but yeah. just art and you know, word of mouth is all I've ever seen. But all I, uh, the work, like ghastly. I had a friend once on the. Uh, I had a friend once on on uh, NTML. Um, he he went by the he went by the screen name Nargon, and he uh, he actually wrote his own idea for a movie. Uh, well, his nickname like I know his real name's Nick, and anyway, uh, I remember he wrote this script. And it was and like looking back, I, I realized 
his script was basically an adaptation of the master, the original master issue from Raj, and the rest of the movie was uh, basically an adaptation of the Future Shark trilogy. So I think that would have been a really good idea for a movie adaptating in the Future Shark trilogy. Hmm. That would have been pretty neat. It would have been it would have been hard to do though, a lot of budget and a lot of room for failure. Um, but yeah, if done right, it would have been great. Uh, the uh, so yeah, is there any closing comments about the 2007 movie, or can we jump into IDW? Are we gonna? Are we about, we're not let's, gonna give a little time to dive headfirst into IDW. Well, about, are we doing? Are we doing? What about Turtles Forever? Oh, right. right no. Turtles Forever. I say we we knock out IDW, knock out Nick. I will split this into two big episodes. You know, we'll we'll be you good do for Nick tonight? a couple. Of, yeah. Jesus, H. Christ. There's not that much to talk about. It's like seven, eight episodes so far. I mean, it's so yeah. We we can first we can impression. Have a first impression. All right, all right let's go. I gotta walk. I gotta walk. I gotta walk my dog here. I gotta pee. I get some more vodka. So <laughs> you, you, you mute your <laughs> mic. You just step out while other people talk. We're all in the same boat here. <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, so what are we intermissioning at the moment? No, I mean let's just dive oh, right into IDW. Go ahead and knock into it. Okay, cool. IDW. So, because that came before the next show, IDW. Uh, Kevin I, Eastman's I back. Yeah, that's that's one of those things. I was like, oh, cool, Kevin's working on stuff again. Yeah, you know, um, I, I really, I've been liking it so far. It's taken a lot of the concepts that I remember fondly from the Fred Wolf days, as well as different various little homages to the original comics and kind of putting them together in a way where, you know, I can, when I go back and read this again later, I'm not going to go, oh man, I really read this. Like it's, you know, I, I find it genuinely entertaining. And we're waiting for the rage. Uh, uh, I, I will say like, <laughs> I, I really looked forward to it. What I initially read from the, uh, the teasers and uh, uh, previews and stuff like that. Like, okay, they've all got the four red bandanas. Cool. It looks look like they're probably going to bring in some Fred Wolf elements. I'm cool with that. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. But at a certain point, I did feel a very strong bait and switch. I know it's not IW's fault. I know they want to push the envelope, and Nickelodeon's got their hands tied behind their back. I mean, they've all but said this outright on the boards and otherwise. Right. Um, but, I mean, as, as time is going forward and, and issues are going by and arcs are passing, uh, I know there is possibly a light at the end of the tunnel, at least as far as like story content, but ultimately I feel we're, as time goes on, the more and more this becomes the Fred Wolf comic book. It's, it, it, that seems to be the way things are progressing. It's, it, like well, the basis book. Like, let's, let's begin with kind of a mirage tone, and then as things move on, here come the colored bandanas, here come the neutrinos, here comes the technodrome. So exactly, like, so exactly like the franchise. Yeah. Think of this as just like a giant satire of how the franchise went. Started off all dark and gritty and serious, and slowly silly elements started coming but, by as they let loose. But it never quite had that dark and serious. Even at its darkest moment in the early parts, there there wasn't anything beyond like, ow, that that hurt my arm. There was nothing beyond that. I scraped my hobo. It's, 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 I just it's, feel uh, like I'm waiting for that book to begin. Like, I feel like everything we've gotten to, from them is... Prologue? Is, yeah, I, I feel like it's just they're just trying to bring us up to speed and nothing's yeah. really happened yet. Was... I will say, though, that one episode where we get the, 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 the backstory of the reincarnation yes, is hands down my favorite issue. 
And I thought it was, I'm like, if you're the way to take it, way to take something we all know and reform it into something brand new that, that hooked me. And so now I'm, I'm reading cause I need to know, I need to know what happened. So it's, it's kind of like volume four in that way, but I just feel like all we're getting is nothing but exposition. It's just, <laughs> I, I gotta say they, they really sold themselves good on that, on the, on that coming mini with uh, the foot clan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems to heavily involve Krang. Now, for me, like, I'm a big Highlander fan, so I love, like, big sweeping flashbacks and, you know, who doesn't <laughs> like shit in feudal Japan, so that's, that's always cool. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm on board with all that. It's just everything else that's kind of... I always, it, I actually really loved that, 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 that feudal, the feudal Japan reincarnation thing for not only the fact that it's, it's different and new and awesome, but I also love the fact that I could never, ever grapple around why we accepted the fact that a, a motto Yoshi and everything was supposed to be in feudal Japan like 10 years ago. Yeah. Because it always seemed like it was always like, we well, re- are we really, are we really assuming that America <laughs> is that dumb that we actually believe that, that Japan is still in, in, you know, the dark ages. I mean, obviously well, they're in a different that's, country. That's the kind of racism that comes with the original, the original yeah. story. That that a lot of people don't really like talking. Well, about. you you you, you could yeah. argue it's it, you could argue that it's not even really feel Japan at the time. It's just you know these secret societies that have maintained classical traditions even when the culture has moved on. You watch that first episode of the Fred Wolf cartoon. You notice when Yoshi's in his dojo and everything with Saki and all those other guys and whatnot. It is very traditional dojo, which actually does exist even in today. You go to like oh, a Batokudan sure. or something, you know, that actually exists. You know, I, there's even one, a place like that near where I live that if you walk inside, you know, aside from maybe like a television in the corner, it's a dojo. And oh, then no like damn. you walk back outside and then like, and then like later on in that episode, you see all the, you see those, foot guys with the spears, you know, pointing at the dude with the ice cream. And it's, you know, it's a city, a modern city. And yeah. so, you know, and people seem to forget that part that, you know, but yeah, that's anyway, that's neither that, here nor there. Yeah. Well, and that said, I mean, this, the, the fact of the matter remains that, okay, yeah, sure. You, you totally, you're totally right. Granted, there is definitely, you know, areas of the world where it actually is like that and, and, or they just have areas like that. But the, the point is, is that I think it's actually cool to be able to full on say, no, this is feudal Japan and, that and is it's really allowed cool. to be, it's allowed to be feudal Japan because it doesn't mm-hmm. have to pretend that it's, it's different for, for all, for all the tech and cranks and stuff when you look at it you realize you know there is something magical about the setup because i, I don't think there is the reincarnation gun yet i don't think we've gotten to that point with the crane and everything the reincarnation gun <laughs> i mean that's Wait it's one of those things it. that i and this is I, the highlander ray generator a little gun that shouts there could be only one that decapitates an opponent uh, anyway but yeah, um, I, I do. I do understand the whole bait and switch thing, and you know, really, that completely, you know, I completely glossed over that in my mind because I'm pretty open to all that stuff, and I'm not. I'm admittedly not super hard to please. There's like a, there, I have like a low line, but then like once you get past that low line, it just kind of goes along the lines of rather than me going, oh, this isn't really all that great. It's just kind of like, a, oh, I'll read through this once, or oh, this is the best thing ever. It's mm-hmm. it's. And with IDW, it's like, oh, you know, I have most of the issues digitally, actually. You know, I, I grab them off the app and, you know, I'll read through them once. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, and maybe I'll read through them again later on if I'm bored and, or whatever. And but I would have not... to say that, 
it's like the only comic that I've ever gone to and gone. I actually want to go to the store and pick this up the day it comes out. And mm-hmm. and the only but the only biggest issue I had with it, you know, because I like like you, I'm relatively easy to please when it comes to okay, I'll whatever. What do you want to do with it? Go ahead. Let's let's have a go. Um, but but the only thing I really really struggled with and I can only say it now because he's not drawing for them anymore is I was not a fan of Dan Duncan like I really did not dig his style whatsoever and uh, the guys the last rounds are a little hard to look at but yeah and, and the guys that, I, was... I, I thought it had its own nice little points and it was also pretty cool that they got uh, Kevin Eastman you know do the layouts for those issues sure layouts uh, was, was cool but I almost wish they could have just printed them because like the, Dan's, <laughs> Dan did this weird thing with the with the foreheads of the turtles that just drove me nuts one thing just, like... I know a <laughs> lot of people a lot of people were, were complaining that Dan Duncan Kind of made Donatello look like a caveman. Like he always had this funny lower lip thing go, or like he looked like he was making a, a big chin sort of look, look like he was gonna grunt or something. You know, you know, for all those complaints, those complaints dried up really fast once Andy Kuhn got on the book and started uh, oh, giving the yeah, turtles right. the teeth. Yeah, oh gosh. The art was fine, except for those turtle teeth. My God. Yeah. One thing I did like about Dan Duncan, and this is probably because uh, coming off of uh, coming off of uh, Lawson beforehand, is that one thing that bugs me about art, even though I'm relatively easy to please, one thing that bugs me about art is when there's an action scene and it doesn't really look like it's moving. And one thing that Dan Duncan was able to do for me personally, looking at those action scenes, is I could see kind of the movement with the, the way he used his motion lines and whatnot. And I really like that in his action scenes. Where sure. before, like the last thing I had seen before up to that point, you know, it looked static. It looked like, you know, a snapshot. Not really, you know, it really didn't move for me. I mean, something, something people don't talk about too much. I mean, Dan Duncan is one thing. Uh, Apart from his plastrons, I was mostly cool with what he was doing. I, no problem beyond that. I thought the black background's a little bit blasé, but whatever. My biggest problem with the book uh, to date, apart from Andy Kuhn, whose style I, I just like vehemently just did not like, did not. It's like I feel like that was actively pushing people out of the book. Um, but no, uh, the coloring. I feel like like we finally have this full color ongoing turtle book that's that's got this audience and all that, and it's. The coloring is not all that it needs to be. Like, the, it's 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 flat. It's it's very flat. But, I mean, yeah. you look at I mean, look at like Rhonda's coloring in, in the ongoing series versus like open up the IGW Raphael micro series. Look at that coloring. It's like that. It, it it can be popping off the page. I mean, if 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 Dan Duncan had a colorist like that on his run, I think we might look at it in a different light. It would add a whole another level of dimension and spark and dynamics. He, he was kind of robbed of that. We were robbed of that in return. And I would say that I would say that for me that that goes you're totally right. And I would, that goes across the board for all modern comics. I freaking hate computer coloring in modern comics. I think it all looks like that. Like it's I mean, there's obviously there are exceptions out there of good colorists who know how to take the tools, but usually, yeah, I find it ugh. Well, it's it's all it's all computer coloring nowadays, but it's like sure. which ones will go the extra mile to to make it look real? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the earliest days of computer coloring were probably the best. They actually the actually the beginning of computer coloring it looked like they were drawn with pencils. Because, yeah, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, because uh, what was it? Uh, melting pot was one of the earliest 
Kevin Eastman's yeah. Melting Pot was actually one of the earliest computer-colored comics because it was done by the guy who invented computer-coloring comics out in the middle of the Canadian Badlands. I can't remember his guy's name. I interviewed him once. Anyway, he, um, yeah, it, it looked like crayons had drawn it, or, or pencil crayons, I should say, and it was real, uh, even though it was totally computerized. Now it just looks like, you know, paint. You know, MS Paint. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if, if your coloring looks like MS Paint, you're doing something wrong. A big part wrong. of that is the, the the quality of paper as well. Like, in, you know, mm-hmm. in the, you go back to the '90s, you get more of the the newsprint-esque kind of paper, and it 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 holds and takes the color differently than say like comics today, which have more of the the glossy, not quite photo stock, but somewhere in between like regular yeah. paper and photo stock, and it, you know, it it's got more of a sheen and. Uh, one one thing one thing I did like design wise like overall design wise in the IDW series is that as I kind of vaguely mentioned earlier uh, I am not a big fan of super mega armor shredder you know um, and I really like that they no, didn't continue no. on with that when they made their shredder like their shredder yes. looks like a, I mean he looks like a spiky ninja. Not, I love you know. I love the IDW design of their shredder. That that was like, awesome. I, I like Shredder, you know, being kind of minimalist and you know, yeah, he does have excessive armor, but at the in same fact, time, like you can still carry even that too far. In fact, they even they even backed him up a, a little bit like that. They took away the faceplate, which I was like, right. oh, the yeah. faceplate is gone. He's got like a ninja. Man. Well, no, it's it's cool. I, I dug that. Yeah, I I find it really neat. Like that was just probably you know when they finally showed what the Shredder looked like for real. You know, not just that silhouette that they showed in the Raphael micro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just like, oh, that is, oh, I'm so glad that is that is great. You know, when that cover came out. I agree. He he, <sighs> he, he he's distinct without being weighed down too much to be a practical ninja. Mm. I agree. I think the best part of the series so far has definitely been the Leo one shot. I'm a huge Ross Campbell fan in that I, issue. Uh, I'm I really a huge like Ross that. Campbell fan. Go on, Jeff. I, I really like the Donatello special the most. It was that a really good story? And I love the I love the artist. His name was Valerio something. Yeah. And I think I like his artwork. I, I'd like to see him do do a few issues of the main uh, series. Uh, yeah, that that was some really good art. I could I can dig that. Uh, I'm not the hugest like Donatello so, like solo Donatello fan, but I read it and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say one of the things I've really enjoyed has been the. Uh, it just started, but I'm enjoying the Secret of the Foot Clan mini. It looks mm. just gorgeous, and and it's really going yeah. into the backstory further, which I appreciate. The there there is actually a book that I have in my possession right now called uh, In Search of the Ninja that came out like late last year, I think. Uh, it, which you'll see when uh, the one guy uh, was you know giving his panel you know and, and whatnot talking about like the history of the Foot Clan and everything. That's actually the name of his book. I thought that was pretty neat. I'm not sure if it's intentional or not, but not really uh, good. Dawn of the Ninja. Also, right. also something that was interesting <laughs> was uh, IDW gave us our first Kevin Eastman drawn book in a long time with the annual. That oh yeah, yeah, there was that too. With the, with the first du- with the first duotone <laughs> used in the yes, years. Yeah. So, anything that we didn't really cover in IDW, if not, we uh, I gotta talk about here. I gotta talk about Rocksteady and Bebop because okay, I yeah. love the fact I love the fact that they're gonna be in the they're, they're gonna return the sword they're gonna return at some point and like I know I know some I know Andrew doesn't is really keen on the whole Fred Wolf uh, element but oh, you know, I, I try me, to see I try to see more as like I try to see them as more like the Archie element I try to think of them like 
I really like the way they were interpreting the Archie comics. So, like, maybe that's what we'll get. We'll get, like, the more Archie either. I think that's what we're getting really here. We're getting a more Archie feel of the of those characters than we are the cartoon version. So it's a comics hybrid. My whole, my whole problem with Bebop and Rocksteady, and I'll, I'll say it's the only time I'll say it. Um, okay, I mean, these are guys, their whole thing is that they're they're basically nincompoops. They, they, they don't. They don't think well. They don't have no. They're not well-to-do guys. They have no plan. Uh, they're basically henchmen, and uh, their whole thing is camp, and and they're shticked and sight gags. And uh, when when you know when you try to take these kind of characters, and of course the the way that they would think about going about things is to make them grittier and darker. Or how do we make them more of a menace? But in doing so, you're going to strip away like who they are and what what their thing is. And if you're going to do all that, then why even use them at all? You, so, you could meet halfway in the middle and make I mean, them the slightly more serious. The answer is just blind nostalgia. People want Bebop and Rocksteady. Let's give them Bebop and Rocksteady. And it's like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see the point. I, I think when it comes to Bebop and Rocksteady, if, uh, it, like, take the uh, the first season of the Fred Wolf cartoon and you have, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady, oh, I've got my own mutants, and he brings out Bebop and Rocksteady, and they do their fight, and they get easily outsmarted after a few moments, and then next episode comes around or whatever, a couple episodes later, I can't remember, and it's all like, well, I'm not going to use I'm not gonna use these guys anymore. I need a new plan because these guys are idiots. And if they wanted to bring Bebop and Rocksteady in, like, and do it kind of right in the way that you're talking about, like, maybe, yeah, there would be that nostalgia part, but... There's also like that. You don't have to have them around for a long time. Like, well, that would be just, cool. I mean, they could just be another <laughs> failed plan. It's like there's this, and it didn't work. Screw you, you guys. I, I'm. Hey, I'm Bob and Rocksteady brought in as the snakes on a plane. We've tried everything else. Let's try <laughs> these idiots. I'm with you on that, but you, at the end of the day, you just know if they went to the trouble to bring these guys in there, they're going in there for the long haul. You're probably going to get a Bebop and Rocksteady villain micro series, and they'll you know, you're going to see uh, uh, then a 300 True. issue yeah. ongoing. That is well, that is that is, that I would is be the 100 behind them if, outcome. I'd be 100 percent behind them if it was like, okay, we're going to bring in Bebop and Rocksteady, and everybody's like, yeah, Bebop and Rocksteady, time for Toidal Soup, let's do this, and then it's like their their big debut as mutants, and they get like. You know, gunned down by whoever, and it's like, oh, they get killed three panels into their appearance. <laughs> I would be okay with that, but that's 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 gonna happen. That'd be something. Well, hey, we had to deal with. Well, hey, back in the day, the Munimals got gunned down, so why not? That's true. It, it, it would it would be glorious just to see the fan reaction. And by fan yeah, reaction, you mean the implosion of the internet? Yes. <laughs> the oh internet God. crashes. They destroyed my childhood. No. I don't know if destroyed is the exact verb they use anymore, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I basically paraphrase you. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, going to yeah. say, for one last thing, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kevin come back again for issue 21. That will be nice. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Nick Cartoon. Nick, I think Nick, that's the Nick, last Nick, thing. Nick. Nick Turtles. Um, yeah. Nick Turtles actually... Uh, for me, it's it's a pretty neat thing to watch. Um, I, I pick it up. Uh, I don't have cable or satellite or anything like that, so I usually pick it up on uh, Amazon Instant Video like a day or two later and watch it. It's actually, um, for me, like it's pretty neat. I, I don't really make it my be-all, end-all of the turtles or anything, but what I've noticed is that other people in my life who 
really aren't that big of Turtles fans, say like my girlfriend or my neighbor or, you know, my brother or something like that, like they are like really super into it. Like, you know, they're like, oh my God, Josh, when's the next episode coming out? Have you bought it yet? And I'm just kind of like, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. It's cool. And I thought that was a really, that was a really neat kind of interesting thing that happened because, you know, for once I'm the one who's the least excited. You know, I still like it, but like, I'm not like, you know, jumping up and down, you know, oh my God. (laughs) Where there's a shell, there's a tail. I mean, for me, it was like uh, my first exposure to it. uh, I think I was there with Karen, actually. We were in San Diego. We were in the pizza store or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, uh, we had Joe Pesci lookalike from Nickelodeon or maybe he's from Playmates or. No, no, he's he's the um, he's the the producer. (laughs) No, it's Joe Pesci you met. You sure? Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm 99 percent positive because uh, Rob Paulson did a podcast that was all of the turtles. He does. uh, Rob Paulson does a podcast called Talking Tunes. And yeah, he had all of the voice the actors, oh. and he was he was there. I think I'm 99 percent positive that that gentleman, yeah. the the guy we were calling the poor man's Joe Pesci, um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. fairly certain is the producer <laughs> of the show. And he's Can actually you? when he's not reading from a script, he's really. I mean, I found him really charming the second time well, around. He, he that first time, I was kind though. of a little. I mean, it, it wasn't <laughs> a question if he had charm or not. Like he was. He was a pretty smooth talker, but it's just the stuff he was smooth talking was was horse shit. Like this well, big was, thing yeah. was like, was like, okay, and here we go. Here's because basically he was he was not so much selling us a cartoon as as much as he was the action figures. But yet yeah. it was like there's this cartoon coming. Check it out. It was it was weird because then he would like show like slides of of motorcycles of the foot that the foot would have and or will have. I guess we haven't seen them yet in the Nickelodeon cartoon. It was like, and he made this big spiel about it. and what would. And what would Shredder's foot ninjas be without some cool ninja vehicles? And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck are you talking about? It had a really very big sideshow Barker vibe to it. That entire yeah. event was very, look, come right up, step right up, kids. and yeah. Which was yeah. a little come odd. Come on, Adam, your kid would just love one of these motorcycles for their foot ninja. It was like 30 or 40. It is bizarre. It's surreal. But then anyway, fast forward to the show, finally comes out. I have, like, no expectations on it. I fully expect to hate it. Uh, so I watch I watch the first couple of episodes, I think, on Nickelodeon.com. I watch them, and it's like, uh, yeah, these are pretty entertaining. I mean, it's not I – mean, in no way, shape, or form is it, is it like the turtles to me, but it is entertaining. It's, it's, it's engaging. So I, I'm watching these as they come out. I watch them online, whatnot. At one point, my daughter comes in. What are you watching, Daddy? Ninja Turtles. Uh, you don't. You want to see this though? Yeah. Can I watch it with you? Uh, oh, yeah. You can watch it with me. So he watches it. She loves it. And now it's like, when's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming out? And it's like, ah, we'll see. But it, it's it's entertaining. It's it's a very quality show. It's just it's not Ninja Turtles. What what by no means the definitive Ninja Turtles, but it's it's good for what it is and who it's supposed to be for. It, 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 it's, it's, it's the DC animated Teen Titans of Teenage Turtles. But it's, it's a difference between, like, you and your daughter and me and, like, my friends and family or whatnot is, like, you have a, you have a young daughter who's asking you, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? Yeah. I have people 25 to 30 asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same type of excitement. That's how it is with me. I mean, I'm a diehard Ninja Turtle junkie, but my roommates aren't. And my roommate's like, oh, is the new is the new episode on? Do you want to watch it? Like, and he he genuinely laughs when he watches it. Now I think it's endearing as hell. I mean, I think it's really clever. It's very well written. I yeah, like, like a it. lot of the character stuff. And it's he's Sipes's Mikey 
is the only version of Dude Mikey that I, I really actually genuinely I'm in I'm endeared by him. Like I'm just completely he's adorable. He's I, 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 I haven't like him, but he's so damn cute. It, it's hard for me to separate him from Beast Boy with his voice. Well, that and that's another thing that gets me about this show is is you would think, at least in my opinion, I went into being like, oh my god, I hate it when they get big named named actors to do, you know, the voiceover work because it always overshadows, you know, actual vo- the voice talent. And I'm so impressed by Sean Astin and Jason Biggs because I don't hmm. hear either of them in their performances. No. There's, there's, there's so a used to Rob Paulson and Sipes and other things that I can't not hear. Raphael and Beast Boy in Donatello and Michelangelo. I, the, I get it a, and I like it, but I still it's I cannot hear it. The, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned you know uh, Jason Biggs and uh, one thing I have noticed is like a couple of times here or there every once in a while like he puts on this tone as Leonardo that almost sounds like Cam Clark. Like it's only happened a couple of <laughs> times. Like once when he got knocked down he was being teach when he was being taught about not fighting fair. And uh, once when like uh, the when they were all firing, you know, little rubber tipped arrows at Raphael. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. Like I, I just kind of caught that. I didn't know if anybody else did, though. Yeah. When I hear Cam Clark, I just think liquid snake for Bill Solid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a voice actor guy. They can replace them until uh, the cows yeah. come home. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big uh. I'm a big voice actor buff now. Like I'm actually, you know, like you, you're being, you were talking about, uh, you were talking about, uh, Rob Paul's podcast before. And like, I just love those podcasts. So I'm like, I have like links to them and stuff anyway. Um, like, yeah, I'm, in fact, someone, someone on here said, said the other night, I sound like Greg Sipes. I can hear it. I didn't, I hadn't, hadn't heard you before, but I can hear it now. Yeah. Which is funny because when I hear myself talk, I think I sound like uh, I, I, I kind of hear myself as Scott Menville, the guy that the guy that played Robin on Teen Titans, who's uh, the Crankshaw character in Space Heroes. I, you could be a hybrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a hybrid of Robin and Beast Boy, basically. Did you just slap me? That was yeah. Again, as someone who's watched a couple of episodes of the Star Trek the animated series, the fact that Leonardo is addicted to Star Trek just cracks me up. Like the whole the whole cartoon is just it's it's so adorable and I do like the fact I think, that I think they it's, did. I aside do like from that. the Mirage universe I think it's probably one of the better versions of Donatello that we've seen, <laughs> um where he actually you know uh, gets angry and frustrated and I mean yes oh, I, I, yeah I do like that they allow him to like I mean there's the whole thing about like Leonardo can only lead and. Uh-huh. If there's someone that's going to be angry, that can only be Raphael. And if there's a joke, Michelangelo has to be the one to tell it. Oh, well, it's Love is Donnie. Donatello's got to say it. I like I, that they. I, I, I like that there's more of a freedom in this show to let them not just play in those archetypes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like their hobbies, for example, like Raph reading comic yeah. books. Like you would yeah. expect that from tough guy Raph, or like Michelangelo reading martial arts magazines and being totally obsessed with this tough martial arts guy. Raphael you know, was the, oh, the fact that they just... made. Chuck Norris, a bad guy, is awesome. <laughs> Pretty much, hey, right? Oh, getting back to the voice actors, uh, you guys, I don't know if you heard, but do you know who's uh, going to come in to be the female Krang? Yes, I have. Yes, uh, but why don't you tell us anyway? Yeah, uh, Roseanne Barr. Oh, and, oh uh, God. I, I was wondering if she's, if she's going to do the burps right. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I, 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 I,
I remembered something earlier. Uh, someone on the technical forum was asking if she ever done voice work, and I remembered she did Look the voice talking. of the baby girl in Look Who's Talking too. Yep. And someone was in that. Someone else was in that movie who has a connection to Ninja Turtles, and uh, who played Kirstie Alley's brother. And you know who that was? Hmm. Elias Coty is the guy who played Casey That's Jones. Right. He was oh, in that good. movie, wasn't he? Yeah, he played the uncle. It's a small world after all. Yeah. True. It all comes full circle. He played, he played a great Casey, by the way. Oh, he was fantastic. Great Casey. I was even so, pr- impressed with Chris Evans doing the voice work in the, the CGI movie. He wasn't yeah. a bad he wasn't a bad Casey either. Is there <laughs> any superhero that man can't play effectively? He didn't, he didn't sound America, as dopey uh, as two three, three Casey. Yeah. Elias Coaches was the best Casey because he was Canadian. <laughs> End of story. Oh. Cricket. Um, is there really anything else? Uh, you know, Nick uh, Turtles. There was something, to, there was something I was going to talk about when we were talking about the Archie comics. Yeah, what's up? Um, this was. I, I'm really embarrassed talking about this, but back in the day, I didn't realize how. I didn't realize how like valuable comic books were when I was a kid and like I hated those advertisements on the back of the comic books so I would rip them oh, out oh man you didn't I did not I did oh, not know oh, oh, foul. I remember when I was really little I colored oh. in some of my comic books <laughs> I'm glad I started collecting comics as an, as, as an adult I never I mean, did like, like, like I wasn't like I wasn't coloring in like a death in the family or anything like that but you know <laughs> and here's the blood <laughs> I had that as a kid too. squirt squirt <laughs> This, this Luckily, needs a rainbow. Yeah. One time, one time I actually um, draw the X's on his eyes. I actually tried to. I remember when I when I first got the uh, cyber when I got the five issue cyber turtle when I got the five issue cyber turtle uh, mini series the the yeah cyber turtle added that out anyway um when I got the five issue cyber turtle uh, storyline I tried to I tried to tape them together to be like a collected book and I just totally. I just oh, right. totally uh, ravaged the con- – I just totally destroyed yeah. them in attempt in this horrible attempt. And, like, you know – so You I tried had to, to like, invent the trade paperback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It did you son of a bitch. You went back in time and tried to invent the trade paperback. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I got to say one thing I liked was I did not expect a kid's show to try to get Lewis Black as a villain, of all people. That was I amazing. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember actually oh, teasing, being all yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you better like like telling you know everyone else who's gonna watch the show with me." I was like, "Oh, you better listen for you know a celebrity voice tonight." Blah blah. blah. And they're like, and when it finally happened, you know, it was just kind of like, "Yeah, I recognize the guy, but who is he?" You know, it kind of ruined Contact it for me. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, like Lewis freaking Black, who from the Daily Show and all kinds of other great things before that. <laughs> Comedian. Sorry. Right. Andrew, so. you know how you keep joking about like um Plant Man and Mucus Man? How come you haven't made a Spider Man joke yet? Well, I mean I, I kinda have. I mean it's well it's just I, I I'm not a fan of mu that's this is an interesting point. Like the the merits of the, the Fred Wolf slash Nickelodeon mutagen versus you know, the mutagen and everything else, which is just pretty much no matter what you touch that's living and you touch some mutagen, you become half of what the last thing you touched, yeah. which is kind of bullshit. I mean, yeah. especially if you're touching plants, if we're to a level now where we're literally touching 
a blade of grass and you become a grass man. It's like, where, where does the line get drawn here? I mean, if you have like an amoeba on your skin, what takes priority? Like the amoeba? Why don't we have the ant that's on your foot or the dog that you just petted? I mean, where does the line get drawn? It's bullshit. And it's, where's Oxygen Man? Where's the guy who was breathing? And oxygen he, Man, yes. He, he turns into gas where's, and dies horribly. If you're sick with the flu, do you become flu man? The Those virus are, is alive. I mean, oh my God. I'm not. Oh my God! Once not one day. Bacteria man. There's this. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Metal Man to start making the Mega Man jokes. Oh my God! I gotta tell you this. There was this infinite. There's this infamous Ninja Turtle, Ninja Turtle porno someone made, and near the end of the porno, Vernon's jerking off and he mutates into a big dick. Oh jeez. Oh rule six. Is that wait no it's thirty four. Ah rule thirty four. Uh, I, I think that counts more as a porn parody if it's officially made by someone. <sighs> yeah. All right. So um, that was a good closer. On that on on that fantastic climax. Oh. Jeez. Oh, okay. Um, now that it's now that it's all in your hair, let's move on. Pick, pick all right. Well, hey, um, on that note, uh, I hope you guys all had a really fun time uh, listening to these two mega episodes and uh, hope to see you again soon with some uh, more current news topics and all kinds of other great stuff to discuss. And shorter episodes. That too. All right. So. <laughs> all right. We don't want to lie. All right. See you later. Bye. Does anybody need anything from me? Can I sign off? Uh, no. We just need uh, your love. Oh, I love you guys. We, we, need, need, your, we need your express written consent. We need you. Hand job. Hey, Bing, I'm, I'm curious. What's with, what's, with that, what's with that pig in your avatar? I'm curious about I'm, that. I'm whispering to the pig. I'm uh, okay, is that a real pig or a statue? It's a, it's a, it's a bronze pig. It's from... Uh, Andrew, what the hell? Is, is it a real bronze pig or is it a statue? Was that, in, was that when you were in Seattle? It was when I was in Seattle. Oh, because I'm about to say, we have those in Seattle. Is, is it a, now, is it a real pig that's made of bronze or is it just a statue? Uh, I think you it never, was a, never a clarified. they dipped in bronze to, it was a punishment. <laughs> so it was still alive? Like they didn't the, kill the, the pig? pig? The pig had done something and as a punishment to the other pigs to make an example of it, they had dipped it in bronze. Yeah, it brought home a very interesting child and they cast him out of society. All right, so let me. I think if nothing else, that maybe perhaps I should have a picture that is actually of me as my thing for this, so that you know. I, I, I wish I had an avatar. Should we come back to Seattle? You can change your avatar, Isaac. Yeah. yeah. This is like the second I, time I've opened Skype in the past year.
<laughs> Isaac, if you if you want, I can make you I can make you a picture, but I, I give you a fair warning. It'll probably be a moose in a in a. Oh, thanks. Why don't you just take a picture of the Monty Moose toy and say, "Oh, ha ha ha!" The Canadian. The my toy. picture. My, my, my picture was me yesterday, and then one of my friends is like, "Oh, it's too creepy." I'm like, "It's, it's just me, oh, bro." Really? And, and so this is your less creepy image. It's it's the St. Louis Cardinals logo. Not where I'm sitting. What are you seeing? <laughs> I'm seeing Hal Jordan like with his eyes bumped out. Oh, oh, really? It's still that? Creepy Hal Jordan. You see Creepy Hal Jordan? No, it was it was that for about two minutes as a joke. But no, it, currently it should, it's supposed to be the St. Louis Cardinals logo. I, I, don't I, know I why see the changed. St. Louis Cardinals logo, which just looks like a bird with a giant penis. <laughs> it's two I, birds I on a bat. <laughs> I know, but it's a small. I almost it's a small the Hal Jordan. <laughs> let me let me knock. I don't know this, uh, Let me knock this oh, closer. Yeah, yes, no, yes, no, yes. Don't close. Let me leave. I'm leaving. All right, everybody, go. Goodbye, Isaac. Go friend. Go friend the turtle documentary on Facebook because you all haven't done that, have you? I thought I did. I didn't realize that was a thing. Colton doesn't have a Facebook. I did. I totally did. No, I have no book of faces. I'll get on it. You guys are awesome. I have a Facebook and a book of faces. I'm just Thanks, Isaac. Haters, guys. See ya. Later. Later.